0: This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co host, Phil Goldberg, author of American Veda. Um, my, our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Our guest today, Dr. Roger Nelson. Uh, he was coordinator of research at the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Laboratory at Princeton University from 1980 to 2002 and has directed the Global Consciousness Project since its inception in 1997. Roger, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on with us today.
1: It's my pleasure. Uh, Roger, this is Phil. Um, we uh, became fascinated with your uh, work and wanted to have you on because of the Global Consciousness Project. Um, maybe you can uh, begin with a, a little bit of a background uh uh, you're a an experimental psychologist by training. What what uh, moved you in the direction of this project? Uh,
2: I was teaching in a small college in Vermont and uh, yearned for research opportunities and discovered this uh, Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research project in the engineering school at Princeton. And um, I didn't know what they had in mind until I went there and discovered it was. Basically, mind-machine interactions and remote uh, perception uh, of uh, places and events, and uh, a variety of things that are right at the edge of anything we know, and that was intriguing. So I went there and um, uh, worked with uh, a a group of very bright and interesting people for many years. Among the things that we uh, used in the experiments was um, uh, in indeed many of the experiments was random number generators, um, which I can explain more if you like. but uh, basically um, that allow, that uh, allows testing whether human consciousness can interact with the physical world. and uh, we just we uh, satisfied ourselves with uh, high quality experiments. That there was a possible interaction in the laboratory experiments and branched out into the field and found that we uh, could see changes in the data from these random numbers. Now, they became less random if we went to groups of people doing rituals or um, went to sacred sites and um, beautiful concerts, anything that brought people together as a group, uh, forming what we Began to think of as a kind of group consciousness, and that's the background from which the idea of a really Mm -hmm. big group consciousness, namely global in scale, um, arose.
0: Uh, Roger, yeah. What's the most, um, you know, the strongest evidence that human consciousness? can interact with the physical world. Because what, what, what I've read about it, and I know there were studies done at Princeton, studies done at Duke, uh, there was no uh, one study that really said, all right, this is it, the, the, this can't cannot be disputed. Maybe there is, and I'm not aware of it. But is there one study that, that really stands out that is indisputable in your mind?
2: The My first thought when you ask that kind of question is that it's the replication over many years by many laboratories and different people right. of, uh, ex- of these experiments, where tiny effects, uh, which aren't convincing if you see only one experiment, but these tiny effects add up um, over time. And um, because there are many different people involved in different types of experiments, uh, if you look at it with a kind of fair, open mind, uh, you, you see a little... Uh, <laughs> a little margin uh, that that is apparently unexplainable in any ordinary uh, sense other than that that postulated in the experiment. And that adds up over time to become a truly uh, uh, persuasive statistical case for uh, such interactions.
1: Uh, Roger, let's back up a second. And for the sake of our listeners who haven't even looked at your website, and for the sake of Dennis and me, uh, because I don't understand everything on your website, um, can you explain what the purpose of the uh, project is and the methodology involved?
2: Uh, the purpose is uh, nominally, originally, to look for evidence of mass consciousness um, operating in a way that's parallel to what we saw in laboratory and field group uh, consciousness experiments. In other words, looking for very small um, deviations from what's expected of truly uh, random, high-quality random instruments, looking for um, deviations that are correlated with human intention or the presence of human consciousness. Now, um, what is a random number generator? It's basically uh, in most cases, something you might think of as a high-speed coin flipper, a really high-speed coin flipper, thousands and thousands of uh, ones and zeros or heads and tails per second, um, which can be sampled and um, which, are, uh, which come from a physical source that's based on uh, quantum uh, mechanical principles that make, it com- uh, make the sequence utterly unpredictable. In other words, random. Mm-hmm. And uh, given that as a kind of instrument, what we look for is changes from that expected random performance that become slightly less random. So there might be deviations from um, the expected normal output um, to be higher uh, numbers of ones or higher numbers of zeros than uh, chance would produce.
1: Uh, can I follow up, Dennis? Go ahead. Yeah. But these these random generators are located everywhere or throughout the the, the world, and they're going all the time. Is, is that the case? And yeah. then you look at what happens when certain things occur that are anomalies. Is that correct? Right. The generators are connected to computers
2: which have software that collects the data and and regularly sends it to an archive. Um, server in Princeton, and uh, that archive is, uh, you know, so it's locked down, um, but we then uh, make, we decide that an, an event is a global event, something that's so powerful and that it brings really huge numbers of people to feel the same emotions. So we call that a global event and then look for look at the data that corresponds to that global event, having made a very um, complete formal Uh, prediction uh, involving specifying the beginning of what we're calling an event and the end of it and what statistical analysis will do, that's a a description of a formal trial uh, which we repeat every time there is uh, one of these uh, very um, large-scale human uh, um, events of interest to humans, things like natural catastrophes or terrorist attacks or celebrations like New Year's or pilgrimage like the Mela in India where uh, 20 or 30 million people go and bathe in the Ganges and so on, all, all kinds of events that might uh, be described best described as something that brings people to a similar or shared um, emotional state.
1: And, and some of them were things like 9-11, yes. uh, Princess Diana's funeral, as I recall, and probably other things we can, we can all identify.
2: Right. Princess Diana's funeral was, was, ex, was said at the time was expected to, to have something in the hundreds of millions, if not uh, a couple of billion people paying attention. To um, the, the funeral ceremonies going on in uh,
0: England. <coughs> did, did any event oh. or events uh, take place, uh, or at the time we were you measuring anything that that might have been affected by that attention on one, one particular event?
2: I'm not uh, quite sure I understand the question. In, in other words, uh, there,
0: yeah. there was a, a, a human consciousness, or much of it, yeah, hundreds of millions of people or more, uh, were focused on Princess Diane's. Uh, funeral uh, yes. is there was there any noticeable effect by that attention uh, on the physical universe and and was that measured or I mean uh, how did that affect okay. your yes. research?
2: Yes, we had at the time we didn't have the um, full network that eventually we uh, developed. That was a prototype, but I asked all of my colleagues and friends who did do this kind of research, um, please run your random number generators on the day of the funeral and send me the data. So I had, I think, 12 uh, separate lines of data, which I was able to combine by, you know, by statistical means. And uh, it had, it did not look like a random walk, which is expected. From uh, random data, instead it looked very different from uh, control data that we could um, generate, and the odds against chance were about a hundred to one uh, that this could be just a chance um, fluctuation so if you ran somehow we were able to run the same experiment a hundred times, you might see that once hmm. so that 's to- tolerably good uh, evidence that something has has affected the um, random number generators.
1: And so what we're saying here is that a mass kind of coherence or synchrony of uh, consciousness mm-hmm. um, throughout much of the world or, or involving a good percentage of people in the world mm-hmm. a- actually can be shown to influence what we think of as a mechanical um, um, phenomenon like yeah. random gen- numbers is that correct? Uh,
2: yeah, yes, it is. I mean, uh, there's a lot of ways to put it. We have to think about such things as what is a, a quantum process, and, hmm. and it basically is a process. In the case of our random number generators, where the next item in the sequence isn't known in in any and it can't cannot possibly be known, in other words, the future is completely indeterminate, mm-hmm. so um, all it requires is some kind of uh, insertion of information, mm. uh, which isn't even energetic, doesn't have to be um, you know, an um, electromagnetic field, it just needs to be some um, form of information uh, that can determine whether it's going to be heads or tails next time and that's that we don't know exactly how that kind of thing could happen Mm. but going back to the uh, group of people the way I think of it and and this is is just um, this is kind of a speculative um, model it's not something we can put into mathematical forums but my personal uh, idea is that each of us you and all of us have a a kind of confirm consciousness field that's not constrained or confined inside the skull, that extends out into the world, and um, maybe even indefinitely out into the world. Mm -hmm. It's a little hard for us to conceive that because we haven't thought about that sort of thing very much. We usually think, Mm -hmm. oh, my mind is inside my head. Mm -hmm. But if you you consider things like remembering your mother, in my case, my mother died some years ago, but when I start thinking about her, she becomes present, Hmm. in some in a consciousness field that i have my my mind now extends into the past and into the distance uh to nebraska where I, where <laughs> she lived <laughs> okay and um so back to all of us i think uh, basically we are all the source of a an extended consciousness field most of the time our Consciousness fields just interpenetrate the way radio and television waves interpenetrate mm-hmm. uh, each other and the furniture and whatnot until there is some kind of uh, need or um, a receiver that um, is capable of um, accepting the information from those um radio waves, or in the case of consciousness, in the case where there may be some kind of instrument that's susceptible to information present in our consciousness field.
0: Now, now let, let me ask you on that. Uh, is, is, are there individuals that you've encountered uh, that have had um, the ability to uh, operate or manipulate that field or have a uh, stronger influence on that field than others? and actually uh, 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 produce results that uh, an average person couldn't produce. You, you hear stories of people that are telepathic or this or that. I have not seen any convincing evidence of that. Maybe you have, and I wanted to see what, what you thought about that.
2: Uh, well, it's a very good question, and it's uh, it's one that the Pear Lab sidestepped. We, they, the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Lab, we call it the Pear Lab most of the time the, uh, we uh, invited ordinary people, as we called them, uh, to come and participate in the experiments. Some of those people did um, uh, unusually uh, consistent, um, more you might say more powerful kinds of, um, uh, they achieved better in the experiments than other words. In other words, about 15% of the people were unusual, but I think the um, fair conclusion is that we're all probably uh, capable. The difference between uh, one person and another might not be so much a gift um, or an unusual quality as um, the ability to accept that these kinds of things are possible and get out of the way and allow them to occur. Mm-hmm. Um, the training of yogis, as you may know, are, uh, uh, involves exactly that kind of thing. Meditation, um, which in the Eastern traditions is thought to, um, and you might even say known, to lead to um, um, the cities abilities like these that we're talking about, telepathy and um Perception of information over distance—that kind of stuff—is uh, expected as a part of the um, yogic meditation training, and uh, the the guru or the teacher will typically say, um, "You should expect this, but uh, be sure not to let it get in your way." Mm-hmm. Their ideas too. Uh, take that as a sign that you're making progress, not as an accomplishment
1: right or so, something to um, cultivate necessarily uh, um, right. in these uh large group phenomena that you described in the global consciousness uh, project um, you talked about uh global events shifting the results of these random ge- randomly generated uh, number sequences are there differences depending on the kind of event what I'm thinking of is something like uh, uh the death of a a beloved person you mentioned princess diana would would evoke a certain kind of emotion mm-hmm. on a massive scale Correct. something like nine eleven would uh produce a different kind of emotion, fear, anxiety, anger, and so forth. Something like the Kumamela or the hajj or, you know, Christmas Eve or something would provoke something more tender and devotional and all that. Are there discernible differences in what's generated through these different kind of events?
2: Yeah, it's a beautiful question and one that I've uh, worked hard to... answer to to some degree, and it turns out that the, um, well, um, something like, excuse me, the valence, the positive versus negative quality of the event, um, uh, doesn't matter as much as we think it should. Uh, Our measures are pretty imprecise. We basically um, uh, look at a period of time, maybe six hours or 24 hours, and um, the prediction we make is for a certain uh, a, a deviation in a circle w- in one uh, direction, a positive direction, meaning that the instruments we have spread around the world become um, slightly correlated with each other, even though they're thousands of miles apart and random instruments. So
1: what... Uh, excuse me, Roger, you're thing. breaking up a little bit. If you're moving around, uh, it might be affecting the...
2: Uh, uh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: I will try to sit rear <laughs> still okay. and hold the phone That's exactly
1: much right. better yeah
2: okay yeah um, I was getting excited about all these um, <laughs> good you know, technical details uh, the the short answer is that um, that most any event most any kind of event that produces a tremendous gathering of, of um, emotion in other words a what I think of as a kind of global consciousness, it will produce the effect that we predict and it won't be distinguished um, very sharply between um, positive and negative types of events. It's um, to me a little bit surprising, but um, if I, when I look more deeply into it, I discover that, pro- that something like compassion or love, compassion is the best um, example. Is the most reliable kind of thing. Uh, if its if compassion is evoked or embodied in the event, it will produce a larger effect than um, than other mm. events, mm-hmm. and that includes things like 9/11, where mm. the um, the effect was extremely um, powerful and long uh, dr- and drawn out over three almost three days. Mm. But it wasn't as extreme in the intensity, you might say. It was just extremely powerful in duration, over a long period. Um, but it, it and uh, by the way, I think it probably, in addition to the fear and anxiety, may have produced a lot of compassion. Mm-hmm. But
0: right, right. let me ask you though. Uh, ultimately, with like with any uh, research, uh, there's there some practical application uh, from this research that you've been involved in. Do you see any practical applications, uh, any technologies that uh, can be developed that actually affect
2: human life. in terms of technology. Uh, I would say, close think of that would be uh, research instrumentation and research design that would allow us to ask the same kinds of questions, but better, ask other and learn in order to learn more about what's really going on, and that's probably happening as we speak. But the Application that I consider to be most important really doesn't have much to do with things like predicting disasters or um, the time to invest in the futures uh, market mm-hmm. or whatever, but instead um, gaining insight and, and maybe even inspiration into um, what we are as human beings, who, who we are, what our potential is, and so forth. I don't know if I mentioned I was inspired at the beginning of the project by Theodore de Chardin's writing about the future of man, about the phenomenon of man, and uh, his idea of a noosphere, a sheet of intelligence for the Earth. I was looking for that, for the mm-hmm. you know beginning signs of something like this noosphere developing, because mm-hmm. the Earth needs us to um, integrate and you know come together and. Uh, as managers and and uh maintainers rather than as the uh religion some have t- had said um, the dominion dominionist of the earth mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So you you evoked uh, Teilhard uh, de Chardin. I'm I'm just repeating the name because I think your voice broke up at that time, a little okay. bit. Um, and he had this concept of noosphere, noosphere. And others, particularly in the East, have had uh, similar conceptions of uh, the, the relationship of, of human-individual human consciousness and something like a collective consciousness or even a, a universal consciousness, yeah. um, uh, you're suggesting that your research is kind of a uh, step toward uh, verifying that, is that correct?
2: That, that's my personal desire and intention from the beginning. It's not um, the kind of thing that a scientist is, um, you know, expected is likely uh, going to be able to uh, accomplish as a scientific goal. But Mm -hmm. um, I thought that it might be possible to catch glimmerings if there's Mm -hmm. any such thing Mm -hmm. going on. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I want to thank you for your time. We have had some technical difficulties in the uh, broadcast. Hopefully, we'll be able to correct those. And uh, But any final points that uh, you'd like to make to our listeners?
1: Well,
2: I guess just that anybody who is thinking about these things should um, consider um, how important it is for us to join uh, each other, to gather in um, groups of consciousness and wisdom to see what we can do about mm-hmm. uh, forming a, a noosphere.
1: Have you seen uh, one more quick question, Dennis? Um, if, if have you seen any research uh, that's uh, convincing about uh, generating consciousness eff- effects on the world for uh, particular uh, or for g- good purposes? Many of our listeners would know about uh, you know uh, effects of group meditations and other. Um, Kind of things that are purported to have a, a, a positive impact on on the environment, have you looked into those?
2: Well, yes, I mean uh, that's a category of um, event that I've um, examined uh, I guess one of my colleagues uh, once did a a collection of all events that are that he identified as promoting global harmony. They found uh, a little bit over a hundred of those, and they add up very uh, strongly to uh, support the idea that um, people gathering for those kinds of purposes do change the world ever so slightly in the form of mm-hmm. um, our data.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good. Well,
0: thank you very much, and, uh, uh, and you have um, a book. You have a book coming out soon.
2: Well, it's. Uh, I hope it will be within uh, maybe six
1: months. Great.
2: Uh, it has a working title, Presence of Mind, but it probably will wind up being called something like the Global Consciousness Project
1: or the <laughs> Egg Project. <laughs> okay. Well, keep <laughs> us uh, informed, and we'll update the archive uh, to reflect the publication of your book when it comes out. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice talking to you. Nice talking Thank to you. you, Ron. Bye.